Welcome to the Queer SLP, a podcast for the LGBTQ plus professional. Join two chatty speech language pathologists as we deep dive into queer culture, evidence-based research, and work-related issues. The Queer SLP's mission is to establish a sense of community, discuss informative content, and provide a space for other proud professionals to share their stories. Because the world's on fire. It surely is. It's Pride Month. It is Pride. We're recording this at the end of June. Pride yeah. Month. Is Pride, like, in your area? Like, we just, it's Pride Weekend in Seattle. So, mm. you know, we had the whole uh, everything. The whole thing so. and the stuff. Oh, yeah, sure. Upstate New York has Pride Month, too. You know, my friend and I went to this teeny tiny little pride that was like the cutest thing ever mm-hmm. they had like one drag queen and a bunch of little kids hopping around with like pride flags as capes which i loved <laughs> oh i love that hashtag support your local drag queens everyone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they are the future so yes that's awesome i love it when kids <laughs> wear pride flags as capes it's so fun it's so fun <laughs> gives me hope it normalizes things where to the point where it's a non-issue like that's mm-hmm. that's the whole point of pride in in a sense is it's for everyone. Yes. And I think we need that spirit more than ever right now as we're recording this. We're still grappling with the Roe v. Wade overturning. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of at that point where I'm beyond where do, what is the emotion beyond angry? You know, I mean, it's just sort of like I'm sort of like, OK, so this means there's more work to do. Right. I think there's also a, for me, the biggest work, or at least the thing that is, is glaring at this point is we know how, and I'm, I don't like using the other side, but like, we know how that works. We know like there's nothing new there. What has become glaring is how divisive the our side, you know, is, you know, and mm-hmm. how we need to just show up for everybody because bodily autonomy is what's on the quote chopping block you know it's it, it, yes roe v way but autonomy in general is the thing that we need to like just unanimously show up for whether that's trans body rights whether that's abortion rights you know you name it like mm-hmm. having autonomy and and just and not even deciding but saying we all deserve to <laughs> decide how we live our experiences and and what choices we make for our own bodies regardless of whether or not it's on you know like there there isn't one acceptable issue where bodily autonomy is okay you know Mm -hmm. and then when it's not it's like no that's that's not how autonomy works yeah and so for me that was glaring recently because there's a lot of people showing up now and i'm like great i love that you know like Mm -hmm. feel that feel that also for our trans brothers and sisters too when they're trying to fight for you know gender affirming health care yeah you and i and a lot of us out there that are probably listening have lived our lives with people talking about whether or not we are right whether or Mm. not we are we should even be allowed to live right my wife and i were talking about this earlier because a friend of hers had checked in and said, well, how are you feeling about this? And Andrea asked me the same question. And I was like, well, I've lived my whole adult life having people question whether or not I have a right to exist. So part of me is just sort of like, well, this is just 
more of the same, you know, and I wonder if people with uteruses feel the same way, because you might not necessarily be that person who's always had their lives questioned. You're very much touching on a very, it's it's controversial because I'm trying to hold space for everybody. But when I, I've been reading a lot of talk um, online and, you know, in little community boards here and there, everyone's saying, oh, like the handmaid's tale is happening. And the reality mm -hmm. that nobody, not nobody, people that aren't ready to acknowledge is that you're talking about for white people, people of color and other marginalized, you know, statuses and have always had this happen to them. Yeah. You know, like you just said, like it's, it's the same thing for us because we've always had to. And now there is a uh, Roe v. Wade that is very much targeting cis white women mm -hmm. now, yeah. you know? And so there's, there's this other side to it. It's like, oh, now it's happening and it's like, yeah, like this, nobody is off when it, when it comes to the, the power, the powers that be that are in place right now, these structures, like you might be close to it, but you're definitely not exempt from having your rights also being, mm -hmm. you know, questioned, you know, yeah. whether or not yeah. you should have these. Um, it's, and, right. and that kind of goes back to my previous statement of like, we, we had a show for everybody yeah, because it, it does eventually I don't want to say come for you, but that's kind of what <laughs> but it kind of does. It kind of does, kinda does, right? Like, and I hate um, that. I hate yeah, that. I hate it too. And I, you know, I think what you said just a few seconds ago about this impacting people of color and people in marginalized communities, people of, you know, of low income, that this is going to affect them more than anyone else. But I, I guess overall, I just, I think this, this just, tells me that our work isn't finished. Um, and I, you know, I'm ready to show up for anyone. Like you said, you know, people are understandably outraged mm -hmm. and I hope that we can get past the outrage enough to do the work. Great. Cause it's going to be a long road. <laughs> I have a question. A wonder. <laughs> what do you wonder? Hunter? <laughs> so, we kind of, I don't want to say jaded or even normalized, mm -hmm. <laughs> but like speci specifically the the LGBTQ plus population and, and the, you know, and people of color were so used to being, you know, like questioned, having our rights and values and everything else questioned at what I'm wondering if you felt in your, in your awareness like when you were like, you got past the rage and you were like, okay, what's the actual, like, what was yours? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like there is going to be a time of rage, um, mm -hmm. you know, especially if you're not used to having your rights being questioned. Mm -hmm. I know for me, it's, it's been a long time, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. where like, you know, I started off when I was young where I was like, okay, you know, where do I stand in the world? Mm -hmm. um, and then at some point I finally was in a, okay, it's time to, I'm not, the rage isn't there. It's the mm -hmm. like, I know this is what's coming at me. How yeah. do I proactively work? Right. Do you have like a, a sense of that? Like of when I, when I got past that yeah. in my life? Yeah. When you're like, let's uh, like, rage, 
is important, but it, yeah. you have to do work and no, Honestly, I think it's been a long time since I've been outraged <laughs> because I expect it, Hector. Right, I, know. I expect it, so it does. It doesn't. It doesn't throw me off my axis. I'm just like, okay, we have more work to do. Right. Um. You know, the last time I can remember being outraged, in um, was actually it was when um, California overturned the voters in California overturned their. Um, gay marriage bill. What was it? Bill number eight. Oh, prop eight. Prop eight. Yes. Yeah. I, I believe that was the last time I was outraged. <laughs> that was a while ago. <laughs> I remember that one like ended <laughs> friendships for me. Like I was yeah. living that experience. I remember that. That was like, yeah. Ooh. Did you live in California at the time? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I was yeah. like going to school at Fresno state, which is part of the conservative bible belt of california mm -hmm. and it was just like it was tough yeah yeah and so yeah i remember that rage mm -hmm. <laughs> um i have a a, a follow-up then uh -huh. do you feel like our lack of rage is just like are we desensitized or do you feel like we're we've come to a place in our own like journey where we're like i can hold space for that you know, there's there's nothing wrong with rage. It's actually a very valuable and important emotion to process, as all emotions are. But I also know for me personally, I'm like, it, rage doesn't do anything <laughs> other than allow me to. It's, it's it's a tool for helping me process, yeah. you know, and that's kind of how I am in my journey. Are you like, is that kind of how you view that or do you feel like? We're desensitized. Yeah. Um, I think it might be a little of both. Okay. You know, I think part of me is like, oh, this just makes me so tired. And I just, I don't have the bandwidth all the time to process it. It's also just, I believe that anger is a slippery slope. You, you know, you can be angry, but if you're too angry, then you are not in a place to do anything. Mm. It can be a useful motion or you can go over the top really fast. That's how I feel about it. I think it depends on the person for me. Like if I'm enraged, I'm, I'm not in a space to do anything to help people, mm -hmm. but maybe for other people, rage is where they need to be. Right. To, to get there. I follow a lot of, um, black trans women activists because uh -huh. it's, it's, I'll say it again. It's, it's always been black trans women that have been at the forefront of, of most, of every, like of everything um but with this in mind when i look at them and how they don't doom scroll they mm -hmm. don't engage they're like i don't have to be you know like i my response isn't from rage it's i'm gonna take a moment to formalize my thoughts mm -hmm. so i can come up with a plan of action because yeah. That's my boundary, right? Yeah. If you're so used to like having your back against the wall, you you've you learn how to like approach it differently rather mm -hmm. than you know like, and that's like a healthy response to trauma, right? Like mm -hmm. instead of just having that knee jerk reaction of like ah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. you're like okay, how do I actually form formulate a, a plan that will create action? Um, that's and so I, I try to like you know, 
get a little bit from there because mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine, right? I'm not yeah. a black trans woman, like, but mm-hmm. whew, the the yeah. power that they hold is mm-hmm. something to be in awe of. But um, I'm talking specifically about Ashley Marie Preston. For those of you that don't know, follow her. She's wonderful on Instagram. But anyway, we've been <laughs> talking yeah, a lot right. about this. Should we talk about maybe something the opposite of depressing? Yeah. And, and, and anger inducing is our guest for this episode. Yes. A ray of light. Oh my gosh. An yes. Absolute <laughs> delight. I don't even know. To. Yeah. Like that's exactly what I would call them um, mm-hmm. because they do use they, them pronouns and mm-hmm. see them pronouns. But yeah. So we have a very special proud professional episode um their name is carly jones um they're an slp out of southern california so you all are in for a wonderful wonderful treat (laughs) yes you know just we we meet the most delightful people on this podcast and Here's another delightful person. I think you're going to love them. At least we did. (laughs) Right. And I want to like take a moment to kind of like, I want to acknowledge this. Like our podcast is not the most present all the time frequently. Um, And as you know, it's Pride Month. You'd think that the queer SLP would be posting more regularly. (laughs) (laughs) It's the end of the school year. Right. And I'm like, okay, um, my... Natalie and my identity is our, our identities, you know, encompass so much more. Um, and, and we try to celebrate those, but we also try to give space to those. And for me as a school-based SLP, the end of the year, this year specifically was tough. You were so busy. It was insane. We couldn't like even I would text you and yeah, you would, I would text you and you'd be like, I have six IEP meetings this week or, yeah. or more. And it's just, uh, Oh, no. yeah. And as <laughs> you're trying to like make, I we want quality qu- content always, right. first and foremost. And I hope that shows for those of you that listen when we mm-hmm. we intentionally pick who is on our podcast. You know, because we want to share voices out there that are not always given a seat at the table. Yeah. So enjoy, and thank you very much for being here. Alrighty, welcome to the Queer SLP. My name is Hector and my pronouns are he, him. And I'm Natalie, my pronouns are she, her. And today we have... Carly, and my pronouns are they, them, or they, them, because most people don't know what they, them is, so... Yeah, and we're so excited because one, we'll also get into that, but two, um, yeah, we're super excited for just having Carly on the podcast because Carly brings a wealth of individuality that we have not yet had a chance to share, and so I'm excited. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, I just have to say that I'm so glad you said Zazam because... I always thought it was say xem. <laughs> like I was like trying to make it go x, right? Yeah. Because um, when you look at it, um, it's x e x e m. Yeah. Right. right. So, um, for those of you who are maybe new to the term, it's not z e z e m. 
But well, some people some people do use Z E, so I don't know what the difference is in the spellings. Uh-huh. But you pronounce it Zazem. Yeah. Okay. That's so That's interesting. Cool. I think I'm wondering how much the SLP brain is impacting like that need to like phonetically. <laughs> like, I totally. Go so with I always it. keep a notebook by me when I'm when I do interviews, and I totally wrote it down in IPA. Um, <laughs> so that yeah, <laughs> so that if I forget, I can look. <laughs> Zazem, yeah. SLP brain. Yeah, I hear yeah, that. Like, like xylophone. Ah, oh, oh. That just clicked so hard for me. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And I hope others that are listening can also, you know, feel that aha moment. Um, so again, this is a proud professional episode um, and Carly is with us. So um, let's just, you know, jump right in. Um, we kind of did a little bit of my first question, which was related to uh, your pronouns, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, let's talk a little bit more about vocabulary. Um, we have, you know, a lot of variety of listeners in our, you know, that tune in. And so uh-huh. um, not many of them are familiar with, you know, some of these terms. And so for you, Carly specifically, what does it mean? Cause you identify as non-binary, mm-hmm. but um, also do you use, mix in the professional setting um I've i heard do. so yeah tell us a little bit about that what does it mean to be non-binary how do you use mix you know and what does that even mean for you um and and again we kind of went th- into zazen but like again how did you come to identifying with those pronouns as well to me non-binary well i guess i should step back a little bit I think a lot of people don't realize like what even what a binary is like binary is two sides so there's like a lot of times it's man woman is the binary that we tend to live in um in this society and so by being non-binary that's kind of saying how I feel inside my gender inside doesn't feel like strictly woman or strictly man And like, for me, I might like today I'm wearing a pink bow in my hair and I have pink hair. And so people might think, oh, wow, they're kind of more girly. So like no one looks at me and assumes, oh, they're non-binary. Right. Um, So that's just to say that like non-binary can look like anything. And so it's like that's just kind of reaching that point of getting to a place where we're not assuming what people, what people's gender is. Because you don't, that's not something that's on the outside. It's how you feel on the inside. And then your gender expression is what's on the outside. And so I just always kind of felt like adjacent to woman or girl. Like I just never really felt like I fit into that or I felt like I was doing it wrong. Um, And I actually have a non-binary therapist. And so I started seeing them because I just wanted like a queer person that was like aware of things because I'm also um, identified as bisexual. And so I just kind of want, you know, and so after interacting with them, I was like, oh, that's the word for that. And then, of course, Jonathan Vanessa on Queer on uh, queer Eye, I was like, oh, that's what that is. That's what I am. I'm non-binary. Like, I don't feel like I fit in those categories. It kind of makes me think of, um, you know, uh, what is it called? The Kinsey scale, right? Yeah, Where yeah. they talk about people's, you know, sexual orientation being sort of on a scale and a I sort of in my head sort of apply that to gender identity where you could be on one side or the other or somewhere in between. Yeah. 
Um, and in fact, maybe most of us are in between somewhere, but society makes us choose. Yeah. Well, even like with as like women, if you you can be like a quote unquote tomboy or you can be super girly or you can, you know, in the lesbian community be considered butch or like, so it's like, and those people can all identify as women, but they all express that differently. Totally. I'm going to told, uh, give a shout out to um, Wes Chernin because they're the ones that exposed me to this, but the um, gender unicorn. Have you yeah. heard of that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so awesome. He, he, I know Wes. I used to work with him. And he, <gasps> so hi, Wes. We love you. <laughs> we love you and the gender unicorn. <laughs> so awesome great. but yeah it goes into not just gender but like emotional and that that was yeah. so, that was yeah. such an aha moment for me where you know you have this spectrum in and there's just everything's a spectrum essentially yeah. and that's kind of like getting out of the the binary so mm-hmm. again right where you said as far as yeah. um you know where, how you express and where you land even day-to-day changes yeah. so yeah Sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, I feel a little bit more masculine today. I'm going to wear this thing or I'm feeling. And sometimes it's kind of more the more masculine I feel. Sometimes I dress more feminine and then Mm kind of like vice versa. Like I just kind of like to mix it up. Um, It sounds liberating. Yeah. I was totally going to say that. So once I kind of figured out, oh, that's what that is. It was kind of like this big relief. Like, oh. I don't have to keep pretending to do this woman thing because I just feel like I've been doing it wrong like the whole time. <laughs> like, like, oh, I can just be like my rainbow self. Like, sweet. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then again, we went into a little bit more with, um, you know, the queer SLP is like about LGBTQ identities and the professional world. And so, yeah, using mix in that setting, like, are you mixed Carly? Like how do you, how do your, yes. even your students or clients address you? Yeah. So all of my students, I work in schools. Um, I work with adults. I have a transition center, like 18 to 22 year olds. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I love um, that group. Like, yeah, I, I love it. It's the best. Um, so I came out to my school, I think like a year ago. Personally, I don't know. Pandemic time. Nobody knows <laughs> right. when time is. Um, <laughs> And since I came out, everyone's been very respectful. No one uses my pronouns, really, because I think it's just such a new thing. But everyone calls me Mix Carly. So even if, like, I get referred to as she, like, on a daily basis. um, And that can be kind of hard, but at the same time, I know that the people I work with value me and appreciate me. And, like, if I had more energy to correct them more often, you know, they'd probably be like, oh, my gosh, like... Um, so that's something I'm planning to work on this, this next school year. I'm like, okay, it's been a little bit of time. I think I feel comfortable to like start correcting people a little bit. Um, but yeah, even my, like my students and all my teachers refer to me as mix Carly. Is mix a pretty common, like, I know a few people who use mix personally in my life, but like, is that pretty common, a term used in the non-binary community to... I don't even know why, like, like I'm trying to think of like why, but I have to be honest. I don't know a lot of non-binary people in my personal life. So I don't like super have other people that I communicate with about it, I guess. Like I just did like a quick Google. What's the signifier for non-binary people? Because I didn't know. I had to learn all these 
these words too. Like there's a lot yeah. of like, yeah, just a lot of like queer like centered language that I wasn't really sure. Like, what is that? Um, so yeah, that's kind of just what I found when yeah. I like did a quick Google search. And so that's what I use. And I put that on my email signature and I found out where people are a lot better in writing well, like 50% better, half better in writing <laughs> than, than in speaking with my pronouns. Cause I think it's like, you can see it like, and Oh, you can think about wanna... it. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, speaking is in real time. And you know, I think that a lot of people are really trying, but yeah. it is in real time and your brain is still kind of wrapping around yeah. the idea. It's or legit like... a visual and written cue, you know? So yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. We're raising a, our child, they're three months old to be, uh, or we're doing gender creative parenting. So like once they get to a, like, usually like two, three, four around there, kids kind of have an idea of like what they want their gender to be. Um, so we refer to them as they, and people have a lot easier time with that. Cause it's like a brand new baby versus people in my family or people who have known me at work are like, well, we've known you for years as this other thing that's already ingrained in our brains. So we have to like rewrite that. Oh, <laughs> so many thoughts about that <laughs> because that's such one well, you you brought up a term that i had not heard natalie have you heard of is it did you say gender creative parenting yeah gender creative I, parenting or gender open parenting there's different yeah. different words no, for i don't it. think i've ever heard can of you that. tell us a little bit about that yeah. like because not experienced yes so we use non-binary pronouns for our child um just as a way to give them the freedom to explore their gender as they're growing up instead of like oh like people don't realize how gendered things are like if you take a look at baby clothes it's like oh wow like why don't boys have any purple stuff like you know what I mean like boys like flowers too girls like trucks too so why is there not like like there's a very big like kind of color gaps just in like uh the genderization of like baby clothes and you know people say oh yes like um so there's a lot of people that will just like assume that our baby is like a boy and they're like oh yes there's my strong guy and I just like don't correct them because it's like they're not you know like sometimes I'm just like yeah okay cool have a good walk nice seeing you in the neighborhood but then there's and then there's other people that like hey beautiful girl so even at, at a baby like who's only three months old are already being treated differently based on how people think their gender is. And when they don't know, and essentially when you have like a gender reveal party, it's kind of more of like a genital reveal party. Right. Like, right. So, right. Cause like our genitals do not directly equate to the gender that we are. And so it's just kind of a way to combat that a little bit and make people think like, okay, before I put this child in a box and treat them in this way that I've been socialized to treat people with this type of body, it's like they kind of just have to interact with our baby and, you know, they might not necessarily know like what their gender is, but that's great because neither do we, neither do they. They're still figuring it out. I think we should all have the, you know, chance to explore that and experience that because I didn't you know, I'm 31 and I didn't figure out that I'm non-binary until like a couple of years ago. And so it's, you know, I think it's powerful to have, be able to have that, that chance to explore without, before people kind of put you in a box. I love that. That's so awesome. And I, and I, I, I learned something new. <laughs> this Yay. is great. Yay. <laughs> 
I hope it's a movement that that um, catches on. Um, yeah. I had a, a friend who had a baby and wanted to get a red outfit for her daughter and everything was pink. Like she walked into the store and yeah. it was pink and blue. And she's like, she goes to a person at the store and says, I want a red outfit for my child. And there was like nothing. Yeah. Which is weird, right? Yeah. I think they also need to like, as a, Maybe this is more for the art community to, to listen. We need to change the names of those colors because they literally are called baby pink and baby blue. You know, like you don't hear. Oh, yeah. ba- I've never heard baby red, you know, like <laughs> which yeah. I would love. I would like. Yeah, it's kind of like so are all pastel colors baby. Right. Is like, it I'm not like, pastel purple? Is it actually baby purple? Right. Like I'm like, if we're going to undo this, we have to really look at that because I'm like, it makes sense. You're, yeah. You you assume yeah. this binary of baby pink and baby blue. But again, I haven't heard other terms for other pastel colors be called baby yellow yeah. like which would would be wonderful i would buy into that that's a good yeah uh, but that's anyway. just kind of how that gendered language is like imbued in our culture so much that we don't realize it yeah it's crazy yeah. it just sneaks up on you now i'm thinking about like how can i get this to like change in the dictionary <laughs> it's, it's baby purple because it's just a little purple Right, right. Like, what does that adjective mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's baby yellow because it's a little bit of yellow. Right, that's oh, where yeah. my brain is going today. <laughs> it's okay. Um, cool. No, that that's perfect because I think you did one. You did. You were to, you're totally an SLP because you perfectly scaffolded that whole conversation. <laughs> I love what you said. Before we even go into non-binary, we should take a step back to to define. People kind of go, oh, like I'm non-binary. Oh, good for you. And And I can tell that they have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm like, or even with the baby, like, oh, they're just baby for now. Oh, cool. Like some people really get it and they're like, oh, awesome. Yeah, that's like great. More people are doing that. Super cool. And some people are just like, oh, but like he has a penis, right? Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, no, someone actually said that to me. Whoa. Oh, wow. Like, like you wouldn't walk up to the street and be like, hey, random stranger, tell me what your genitals are. Right, right. So I don't know why it's okay to do that for babies. Or, like, children in general? like The same way people go up and feel like it's okay to, like, rub a, you know, somebody who is pregnant's body and be like, oh, yeah. let me feel the baby. I'm like, oh, gosh. gosh. It's oh, like, excuse no. you. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, we, we take it takes a village very seriously. <laughs> yeah. So, suddenly a pregnant person doesn't have personal space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very weird experience. So we would love to learn a little more about your experience as a neurodivergent SLP. So maybe we could start by talking about your thoughts in the field specific to that. Like, what was it like navigating school and working? Yeah, so I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was in grad school. And then I just got my autism diagnosis in December. So that's like super recent. Super recent. Yeah. Like super duper recent. Yeah. So that's been really mind blowing and like affirming for me in terms of meeting my own needs. 
And also, like, makes me reflect on, like, oh, there's, like, so many reasons why grad school was so traumatizing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing, but I'm, like, also, like, oh. I'm also, like, oh, traumatizing. Man. Yeah. Grad school is really where I learned to mask, like, before I knew what masking was. It was, like, oh, okay, I can't be myself, and that's what professional means. Oh, I'm just not professional as a person. So I have to like be less enthusiastic and not have colored hair and colored hair is a big thing for the queer community. Like lots of us queers have colored hair. It's a thing. Um, can you tell us um, a little bit about masking? I was just going to ask that actor. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> we're right. We're all there. So that's something that I didn't realize that I did so much. I just kind of thought, Oh, this is how you socialize. Like I just like kind of, indirectly learned through growing up like this is what you're supposed to do and one thing I've like for instance like the whole eye contact thing I have I remember in college being like looking at people in the eye and I'd I'd be like they always look away I don't know why people are always like eye contact is such a big thing because they don't even do it you know (laughs) like and so there's things like that that I just kind of learned like just being a person in the world you know having like I grew up in like a like a good community like we went out on like camping trips every summer so there are people who kind of accepted my quirkiness without making it a big deal but I think I definitely took on like a more I guess my I think my my mask you could say is more social um like I have a pretty energetic like bubbly personality but I don't need to like extra hey 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 and that's kind of how um the mask shows up for me is like okay I'm gonna fill in that lull in the conversation like hi I'm super interested and it's kind of like just left to my own devices I'm already a pretty interested curious person you know like I don't need to super extra and that was coming out at work a lot it's like that's something I worked with my therapist on it's like they're like, well, you have a natural enthusiasm for like speech therapy. So like, let that come through. You have a natural enthusiasm for helping your students. So like, let that come through. You don't have to come in super excited, super exuberant because that natural enthusiasm comes through. And so that's kind of like help with burnout, which is a big thing with masking is like, you can get really burnt out get depression, anxiety. It's just, it's kind of, and it just doesn't feel authentic. So I'm kind of since December with my diagnosis I've been giving myself the freedom like I feel like I have the permission to explore socializing in a way that feels natural for me instead of kind of doing extra that is um you're like speaking exactly to what my I have a student who I used to work with who identifies as he him he is trans uh but he told me specifically that like for um, autistic AFAB individuals, they, so for those that don't know, assigned female at birth, um, that they have a tendency to overcompensate and mask more because of that. And I don't even know if that's just like a societal expectation that, quote, uh, female presenting individuals should be more sociable or should be more you know certain things yeah I do think that is like if you think about just even how we like raise like quote-unquote girls and boys it's kind of like boys are allowed to be rough and tumble if you get angry you're passionate but if you're like a girl and you get angry you're called a b-i-t-c-h I'm trying to watch my cussing I don't know if that's good um 
(laughs) (laughs) So, like, right, so it's kind of, I think, yeah, as as women, I think there's a lot, like, because I was raised or, like, socialized as a woman, um, there is more pressure, I think, to, like, hold up, like, social norms. Kind of like a quirky, like, a quirky boy is kind of like, oh, they're kind of weird, they're a nerd. Like, is the general kind of, like, feedback that I see people, you know, kind of give. But if, like, a girl is quirky and weird, it's like, whoa, they're really weird. They're, like, I bet they're kind of crazy. I bet they're... So it's, like, I think there is more kind of, like, this perfectionistic pressure put on women. So, yeah, I think that kind of comes out. So then you become so good at masking that people are like, oh, you're not autistic. And it's like, why am I so stressed and anxious and depressed? And, like, I hate all this loud sounds. Like... Man, getting noise canceling headphones, Ugh. game changer. <laughs> <laughs> it's so mm-hmm. important that everybody hears what you're saying because I'm I'm getting upset, you know, mm-hmm. just <laughs> from a from yeah. societal perspective no, about these the things. Lost, we're called the lost um, generation because there's a whole like generation of women and AFAB individuals that just didn't get diagnosed till later or like when their kids get diagnosed and they're like oh wait I have these things too and then that that also goes back to the deficit perspective that it's like we shouldn't be diagnosing on oh well if you're successful and you can do xyz then you're not it and it's like oh my gosh I have really like great expectations for my students and it doesn't involve them like failing at everything so that can still be autistic like that doesn't make Mm -hmm. any sense it makes me think right. about about how in pretty much every school district, a child has to fail a certain amount before we help them. It's I, always been very frustrating to yeah, me. Yeah, it's kind of like our whole everything is set up, right? In, and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. And that yeah, that deficit kind of outlook is just very damaging. I think, yeah kind of like they don't they can do the thing without the visual it's like right but if we give them Mm -hmm. the visual cue they can do it independently without coming to you to ask the next step to me that's very powerful i'm like snap snap snaps preach 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 (laughs) but i think we need to hear this from the autistic community and the fact that you're an slp on top of that you you see these gaps that that are unique to our field um and and it kind of goes into my my next follow up is like, do you feel like we're moving in the right direction when it comes to the neurodivergent um, community? I think it's pretty new. I don't right. like even just this last school year. I'm like, where is anything that's about pronouns that's not super gendered? Like I make right. like I like made most of my own materials. I make most of my own things just because. Or, like, put things together because it's a lot of, like, pre-made materials. Um, like, some of the new ones, like, Bajorum. I don't know if that's right. Bajorum? Yeah. Bajorum. Like I think it's Bjorm. Bjorm. Yeah. They're, like, yeah. they're making a range of different stuff with different looking people. And, like, and that's, like, really awesome. But it's kind of, like, cool. So what are the other ones? You know? Right. So I end up. And that was because Wes was part of that. Yeah, well... Did you know that? <laughs> Wes, we love him! <laughs> yeah, Wes was a big best. part. I was like, you're doing... I always tell Wes, I'm like, you are doing the most, but for all the right reasons. Yeah. So keep doing it. <laughs> Going back to, like, a little bit of the night, I know it's a new diagnosis for you, but 
do you, how do you feel about the like even just the term neurodivergent or even moving away from like person first language and and you know calling people autistic like do you have thoughts on that? I yeah. know it's new, so I don't yeah, like, yeah. You know you don't have to have well, them. But I mean, like, I've been wondering since grad school when I took like the tiny little autism class that they do in grad school. Yep. I'm like, I'm hoping it's a more full fledged class now. I don't know. Um, but I've been wondering since that class, like, oh, I do a lot of this stuff for myself. Am I autistic? Like, hmm. Like, like setting up routines, like alarms mm-hmm. and time, just little things. And then working with my students, I just kind of have like a really great relationship with them. A lot of them are autistic or ADHD and other, you know, conditions or diagnoses. And I just really can like connect with them. So that was another thing that got me thinking like, hmm, am I, am I this also? Like, mm-hmm. and so... I think because our society, like, eventually I think it'd be cool if, like, if everyone could just be in the world and we didn't need labels to interact with people, that's great. But that's not what's happening now, so I do think it's important to use the identity first language because, A, it helps you find your community, and B, it kind of destigmatizes it, like... There's nothing wrong with this, so if you think that there's something wrong with it, that's on you, that's not on me. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of how, like that's kind of how I think of it. I'm like, no, I'm autistic. Like, no, I made. I wish ADHD was had like a different word, mm-hmm. um, right? Because it has literally the word deficit, deficit in yeah. it, uh, which doesn't yeah. feel right. Well, also, like we don't have an, a deficit of attention. We have like no. an overactive attention that's looking at way too many things at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just kind of a misnomer. But also, I can't say like, oh, I'm. ADHD or autistic right. like it sounds funny you know like I wish I had my own like identifier word for ADHD now I want to know now I want to know if anyone has ever tried to come up with a different thing. I wouldn't be surprised like again yeah. going with identity first was a big push from the autistic community specifically and yeah. then I wouldn't be surprised if the ADHD community was like this is not how we want to be identified um, mm-hmm. because again it's in like neurodivergent is supposed to be that umbrella term yeah, but yeah. you know like we're all neurotype there's different neurotypes mm-hmm. but i'm sure everybody would like yeah. to be labeled differently my friend uh kyla and i like to call it sparkle brains like we have sparkle oh, brains i love it or like sparkly anything sparkly like sparkly ideas you know like we're enticed by interesting things i don't know I'm all about it. So that's my vote for Sparkle Brain. Sparkle yeah. I love Try that. Let's make, make it fetch. <laughs> well, <laughs> same with neurodivergent. Ashley Marie Preston um, calls themselves uh, neurofestive. And I'm like, that's like, because it's I a celebration. And I'm like, yeah, neurofestive sounds so much better that. than no. divergent. <laughs> I want to go to a neurofest. Neuroqueer. Neuroqueer. You know, like so oh, many different it. ways that it. are more celebrations. Yeah. Of Fun things. Diversity. Too. Yeah. You know? so. Yeah. When I think too, like the neuro, like neurodivergent kind of comes from the place of, well, our society is set up for quote unquote neurotypical which I like to call neurolinear because it's kind of like there's more of like a linear. I don't know if that's a thing. Don't quote me on it. I made it up. You um, can coin it. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> but kind of like people that can like, you know, 
follow the steps a little bit more linearly. Like my brain just doesn't work like that. I don't have a, I have a curve, a linear brain. You could say. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I am writing these down. I won't quote you, but I'm writing these down because they're so cool. <laughs> Yeah, no, if you look them up and you find evidence of them elsewhere, please share with right. me. Right, share the info. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's that's exactly it, though. Yeah, I think um, yeah, <laughs> I love neuro, I know, neurolinear. That's so yeah. But yeah, it's like using the identity first language is like important yeah. just because I don't know. I think it shows people, hey, look, there's the, there's nothing shameful about me being who I am. Right. Kind of like the same conversation that's going around a lot around with like disability, like just use the word disabled. Like don't say right. differently abled. We're technically all differently abled. Just say disabled. And that's another thing that it's like, well, if you were in an environment that catered to your needs, would you still be disabled? Because mm-hmm. I feel right. disabled by this society in a lot of ways, but I don't think I myself am disabled. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Oh, and those are just questions to pose. It's not. I'm not saying I have answers, but it's like, you know, people wouldn't have to be so limited in their abilities if we had, like, what if every single storefront had not a step that goes into it? Like, there's lots of stores that still have like a little step, right? And like yeah, now no. that. I ha- and now I push like my, my baby in the stroller and I notice it more like my coffee place had the, their front door locked. So I had to go on the other one. I had to like go up these steps with the stroller. I was like, this is not accessible. Like what about right. their patrons in wheelchairs or like right. walkers or whatever? Right. Mm-hmm. This is a barrier to access, which yeah. is yeah. basically what a lot of things are for people. And it doesn't have to be physical barriers, which is <laughs> again, that, that piece of what you just spoke about. Yeah. Um, I had, I had that conversation with a friend, just recently that was you know talking about why if we if we should encourage um children from exploring their gender early on because it could be like irreversible harm and i'm like you are once again putting the responsibility on the individual to make the world understand them instead of educating the world to learn how to accommodate yes and -hmm. support others like it's not the yes. world that needs to be like stagnant. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. you know. So so I yeah. want to recommend a book. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's uh, that that it's fiction, but it it talks about this topic. It's called True Biz. True Biz, like B I Z B I Z, and it's I had to look up the author. Her name is Sarah Novich. Okay. S a r a n o v i c with a little umlaut over it okay um and it's about a it's about a deaf school and they talk about you know accommodations for deaf people and kind of how the world treats them and they even talk about you know this story in the deaf community about a world where every most people are deaf and then there's very few hearing people and you know how it's an exercise in thinking about you know, how, how the world treats people who are d- different. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I loved the book. I no, couldn't I'll look get into that. that. Yeah. Yay. But yeah. And so that kind of, so back to your question about like working with neurodivergent folks or like being an SLP and are we going in the right direction? I think we're going in the right direction, but it's pretty slow. Like a lot of our therapy is still focused on like a, a lot of our speech, like, practices are like teaching autistics to mask like that's kind of what it is 
Yes. So <laughs> say it. Self pragmatics checklist. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I kind of like so I teach my students. I'll say, look, people are gonna expect this. But if this is how you're more comfortable, that's fine. But understand there's going to be this kind of response. But then also I try to talk to their parents and teachers and like, and I say in the class, because I do, I like push on and do like whole class lessons. Mm -hmm. And so the teachers are there to hear what I'm saying, um, which I think is powerful. And like I had a student who kind of is like so shy. And I, one day I said, you know, you don't have to look at my eyes. You can look at like my hair or my eyebrows or like even just like in the general area. Like, but if you're looking at the back door, then I have no idea. Like, I, like to me, it looks like you're looking at the door and you're like paying attention to the door. And ever mm-hmm. since I kind of said that, that student was a lot more like willing to participate. Cause like, and I could tell that they would kind of like look up. Like, they would put their head up, but then they would kind of look down. I'm like, that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Like, but even that, like, even saying it, I'm like, oh, am I still teaching them to mask because we have to face us? Like, so I think there needs to be, like, a larger conversation had about, like, what's, yeah. quote, unquote, acceptable, like, in terms of social communication. Um, yeah. And there needs to be a lot heavier emphasis on other people changing their, like, people say autistics are rigid, like, okay, like, well, then you change your communication. They won't. They will not. Right, right. Yeah. Like, this is just how it is. And I'm like, I'm not oh. going to use their AAC device. It's like, oh, okay, rigid. <laughs> <laughs> oh I gosh, wish we so could. <laughs> Let's call it that. Let's call them that because like, I, I get that. Like, not in a derogatory way, but it's it's true. It's like, who's who is the rigid one here? It's like, we're rigid because you perceive us, or like, we're perceived as rigid because we won't fit into what you think is normal. And it's like, well, I think you're super rigid because you just like won't change at all from what you already know. Oh, that's so refreshing to hear because mm-hmm. I love, I, you know, and I am proud to be an SLP, but I love that we, especially as SLPs need to be called out as well for yeah. our practices um, so that we can grow from them. When, um, and like a lot of times, like, I, like, found, like, a few friends, like, within the field, but I also, there's, like, a host of people that I'm, like, oh, I really don't feel like I fit in with these people, mm. and, mm-hmm. like, you think there just, yeah, there just does need to be a larger conversation on inclusion of queer identities, like, celebrating neurodiversity instead of, oh, this is the worst. It's like, right. well, it's only the worst because outside makes it really hard to live this way. It's not the worst because you're the worst. Right. Ugh. And you kind of just like spoke on it a little bit, but it just brings me to my next question, which, you know, addresses intersectionality, which is a big part of the queer SLP. Do you feel any one specific aspect of your identity impacts you more visibly in the professional world? Or do you feel it's like the unique combination of those things that like, either is it make it hard to like separate the positive and negative interactions? you know, from one thing or the other. I don't know if there's anything visible about me. Like I usually have pretty positive interactions, like minus people just not ever using my pronouns. Like as I unmask, that's something that I worry about. Like socializing and the little small talk that happens at work is super exhausting for me. So I think that that's something that I'm still exploring. Like as I unmask, I'm like worried like, oh no, are people going to think I'm antisocial and that I'm not 
XYZ because when I have the energy and when I'm present, I can be pretty social and outgoing. But I do max out and need to just like go hide in my office and do paperwork, you know, and people are like, where have you been? We haven't seen you all day. And it's like kind of comments like that that make me feel like, oh, no, am I doing something wrong? Am I supposed to be out and about more? Am I hiding? Oh, no, are they gonna find me? And it's like, well, wait, there are lots of quiet people and they're allowed to be quiet. Why is it when I choose to be quiet, then it's like, like, I'll get comments like, oh, come on, we need some of your sunshine today. Because, and I'm like, look, I can't be like everybody's candle. Like you have to, and like your candle doesn't even have a wick in it. I can't even light that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, my wife, uh, is an introvert and she has a similar kind of struggles with, um, interacting with people. Like she just, it is exhausting for her yeah. and it's not like she can't do it. And she, you know, she has friends and she goes out and does those things, but it, she needs a lot more time to decompress mm-hmm. after being out and about with people. So, yeah. um, I hear some similarities there with in- introversion yeah. and what you're describing. Yeah. It's like, even with people that I really like, and can be myself around I still like will have to like recuperate a little bit like when I get home like and then sometimes I don't notice I'm like oh that was so fun and a couple of days later I'm like wow I'm so tired and it's like mm-hmm. oh that's too much fun oh I'm right there with this is making me think like a long, you know, we, we think about neurotypes and how basically you know we call it the spectrum but yeah, yeah. it makes me wonder if like aspects of like extroversion and introversion are part of that spectrum because they yeah. they have very similar feelings mm-hmm. and I don't know if we've looked at it that way you know again it's a spectrum yeah. there's no binary so I because I had that same exact feeling where I'm like they love I'm like I don't need energy vampires um <laughs> because I don't have all, yes. all the energy in the world to be taken and it can only and it's not there all the time um, so I'm with there with you, especially in, in the work world, professionally, mm-hmm. SLPs are known to be more, you know, present. We're active listeners because we're trained to be, not that because yes. we necessarily want to be. <laughs> I can't help that I engage all of the community, the communication strategies when I speak with you, okay? <laughs> like... <laughs> it's so hard to turn it off, but when you do, you're like... I feel like I'm just coming down and you crash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm, I feel that with you. Well, uh, and this makes me think of, I have a book recommendation now that kind of goes along with this, like the, like, I, or when you said the introversion, extroversion kind of being on a spectrum, it made mm-hmm. me think of this book I just finished called Divergent Mind by Janara Nuremberg. It's like G J E N A R A. And then their last name is N E R E N. B-E-R-G, I think. But they kind of talk about neurodivergence in the frame of, like, different sensitivities. So it's like... So, like, kind of makes me think, like, I wonder if, like, introverted people are maybe just more, like, also more sensitive to stimulation. So you're taking in, like, more and processing more. And somebody who's, like, more extroverted, maybe they have, like, a higher threshold and they need more to, like, meet that need. And, like, some people don't need as much to meet the need. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay, I'm definitely going to have to read that book. (laughs) I'm really identifying that. uh, Oh, gosh, it just, like, 
yeah kind of I just think about OTs, a little bit and we always talk about like you know mm-hmm. how like are you sensory seeking or sensory yeah. avoidant and it's it's kind of like that same thing like it's well, are that's you, the thing uh, we all have sensory needs so that's exactly. another thing yes. that's like yes oh only weirdos have sensory stuff it's like do you wear sunglasses boom you have a visual <laughs> sensory need we don't like, i don't know why yeah people are just so yeah. stuck in how they view these things yeah and that's because they look at it as a deficit perspective let's be honest like yeah if you need sensory you have deficit you know yeah. it's like no we all do like yes. <laughs> well and capitalism is doing all of us a disservice because it's like you don't fit into what we have going on here well that means you cost more money so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's call it weird they won't notice you right know? yeah like yeah and i've been thinking a lot of, lately about that kind of idea where it's like we we place so much value of a person and what they can earn yeah you know, as weird, income right? their and net sh- worth is 15 billion dollars their net worth is 15 dollars and it's like wow that's weird because i thought that like one part of their worth was they give really great hugs like oh right right the word worth being embedded into that is really weird it's so weird yeah and and it's just you know i i mean there are so many people in my life and that i love and i think none of them i look at them and say oh well you make a lot of money or you know or you don't make enough money or whatever like i don't love them for their for their income level but societally you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, talking about, you know, bringing kids up in the school system to have productive lives, you know, they Ugh, talk about gross. being productive. And it's like, that means having a job. You know, and, and we have that- an epidemic of like anxiety and depression right? among our young people because there's mm-hmm. so much pressure on like, hey, just so you know, you don't actually get to live your life. It's all about working and then recovering from work. <laughs> right. Like, oh my gosh. Like, what are we teaching people? It's yeah. depressing. It's depressing. It depresses it's, it's, me. It's surprising because it's like systemic. It's a systemic yeah, issue. Yeah. And that's the hard part is when you work yeah. in systems, you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's hard ouch. to feel like, it's hard to feel like you can make change too. Cause it's like this whole system. But it's like, you know, we can all claim back a little bit just by like resting. If you're yeah. sick and you have sick days, call out. Right. Yeah. I hear that. I used to feel so guilty about that. Like, oh my gosh. And it's like, but Carly, you're sick. Right. Yeah. It's not yeah. that you're trying to be lazy. It's not that you're trying to just take the day off and go to Disneyland. Like, well, which I would need as... two days. I need a second day to recover from Disneyland. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, and I, you know, this is my own personal belief, but if you wanted to take the day off to be lazy, I say mental health is just as important as when you have a cold. If you are like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm approaching burnout. I need a day off just to go to Disneyland and have some fun. You know, personally, I think that's completely legitimate. No, I rock with that because it's like if you're just so stressed and anxious, like most of my sick days to be transparent are mental health days because I just like get to a place where I'm like, you know what? I do like my job and I do value my students and I don't want to show up and do a half-assed job with them. Like I don't want to show up. And then 
And what I've learned in the past is when I push past that point, I do end up getting physically sick. So to me, I'm kind of like, no, this is a prevention that's helping me stay present and helping me stay healthy in the long run. I think it's so interesting that in the education world specifically, um, we're, we're so much more, I don't, we're further ahead in embracing that mindset as far as like mental health and, and even though it's still hard in ours, don't get me wrong, but like in the private sector, that's a for sure no. Right. Like yeah. I have my productivity, my, productivity, productivity, Hector, come on. <laughs> right. And that's it. And that's like even, you know, medical, but like my partner works in engineering and they're like, uh-huh. no, like if you work in tech or if you work in yeah. all these other places, you yeah. can't even consider a mental health day, yeah. let alone a, reg- a regular sick day. Like yeah. imagine like now, even or this even year just going home on time, <laughs> you didn't overwork. Right. What a lazy employee. What yeah. a yeah, and what and a weird like, professional what? culture. Well, yeah. some companies require Super. mandatory overtime. My father had that. Which is what is that? Right? Like is you just you were expected to work a certain number of hours over your 40 hour week. I'm like, okay, so then it's not mandatory overtime. It's just your job at that yeah. point. Right. Like yeah. now Cap- you capitalism just work, culture. Now you just work a fifty hour a week job. That's how I saw it, but my dad was like, "No, it's mandatory overtime." I'm like, "No, dad, that's that's it's the same thing, dad." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. are they paying? I'm like, I'm kind of like, did they at least pay dad extra for those nope. hours? See, that's uh-huh. like, if you're not getting time and a half, like, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, and that's like that capitalist culture, which you know how they gaslight you is they they tell you that you're uh burning the midnight oil or you're you know keeping your nose to the grindstone because you're you have that work ethic and i'm like yeah bulls you know like that's not <laughs> yeah. work ethic that's it's, yeah that's it's like under- the, or the hustle yeah you're gonna i'm hustle. like no you don't like, no. like your side hustle <laughs> this all of, why do you why do we need all of those like first yeah. of all and why are we celebrating all of these like yeah you know first second third fourth fifth sixth seventh secondary incomes I'm like, how about just one income that actually pays you, you know, well yeah. and, and appropriately? What a thought. But yeah, we like value are, that. Like, why are we taking it on us? That's like, oh, well, I can't make enough money. It's like, no, people aren't paying us. Right. Like, and we the, shouldn't yeah. have to have a side hustle. And we're led to believe that it, you're more valuable if you have those side hustles. Also, right? rich people, rich people still go to McDonald's. So why can't we have the McDonald's employees pay a livable wage? Right. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thoughts. Yeah, I know. I hear it. Wow. <sighs> I feel like we just went in deep. We did. You, know, you talk about like needing to like come down a little bit. I'm like, Ooh, let's, let's take a collective breath. <laughs> uh, next question. Um, <laughs> speaking of like, thanks lots for getting of us things. back on track. Totally, <laughs> totally fine. But we're gonna. It, it might be deep right now again. Hey, intersectional. Because, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everything is. Um, my next question, and it could go deep right now. Like I said, is what is one thing you would tell young Carly if you could go back in time, knowing what you know today? I think I would tell young Carly like. It's okay to be your whole rainbow self. 
because I think I was always, like, I was always kind of quirky. Like, I was wearing, like, berets in, like, sixth grade and, you know, like, wearing little bohemian tops in fifth grade. Like, stuff other kids weren't doing. Like, um, but I just wasn't really aware of how different I was. And so maybe that's another thing I would like to tell my young self. Like, hey, as you get older, remember it's okay to be different and it's okay to be unique and it's okay to stay colorful. Yeah. And what would the world be like if we let, you know, let young people just be their whole rainbow selves and didn't yeah. squash it? Yeah. Ugh. I don't know why becoming an adult means that you have to be like super serious and lack color in your life. Like, okay, we're going to the neutral tones, no laughter. And it's like, I have a lot more fun when I'm having fun and laughing like I don't I do a better job of working when it's enjoyable so like this doesn't make any sense I love that not the not the other part but the (laughs) the rainbow self part the rainbow self (laughs) just embrace your glitter brain or what was it sparkle brain sparkle brain brain. I love glitter brain though because it makes me think like I think of glitter bombs I'm like yeah yeah (laughs) Maybe that's what I need to do to just start like glitter bombing places. Right. Yes. <laughs> this is this is too mauve. Right. <laughs> so let's let's go back to being an SLP and uh-huh. um, why did you become an SLP? What you know? What's your story? How did you come to be in this field? Well, I always wanted to help people. Um, I also, I don't know if this has changed, but I went right into like SLP out of high school. Like that was my undergrad, my graduate. A lot of people I've noticed like did something else and then like came into the field, Um, which in grad school, I was always envious of those people like, oh man, they have all this context for the stuff they're teaching us. And I don't know what they're talking about because I don't have that context or that experience. But my mom actually had a friend who was an SLP or still is an SLP. And when I was in high school, I was like, well, I want to help people. Social work sounds like people get super like burnt out. I don't want to like just be like a therapist and like sit around all day. I also really just didn't want to be sitting all day. So that was another thing I was like, so I talked to my mom's friend and was like, Oh, that sounds cool. So I was like, you're good with words. You're articulate. You like kids. Like, and I was like, I do like all those things. Um, like, truth be told, I would have loved to have a more creative life and be more of, like, an artist and, like, make a living off of that. But I was also very practical when I was younger. Like, well, uh, I don't know. Like, that sounds really hard to be able to, like, make a living. So I'm going to go this more, like, surefire route. And at least I can individualize and, like, tailor um, and, like, an education plan for somebody and, like, zero in on them. And, like, I can be creative within that. Um so yeah, kind of in high school, I was like, that sounds cool. Like, I'm going to do that. And then I went into grad school thinking, I definitely want to work with adults. Like traumatic brain injury is so interesting to me. <laughs> and then the more experience I had with adults, the more I was like, oh no, like <laughs> Carly, you are Same. so good with kids. And I've always been super awesome with kids. Like I've always babysat and like tutored and different stuff. So like... Then once I realized that, I was like, okay, no, no, no. I need to, like, go into schools. It's like, adults don't care about the pink or the red pen. 
Right. You know, like they're kind of like, I don't care. Just give me something to write with. Like, and I'm like, oh, okay. I thought colors were exciting, but whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm as, as an adult, I'm like, oh, I want to use my purple pen today. Yes. I, I totally do. Like, I think that's what makes some of us good uh, pediatric SLPs is yeah. that we totally get why the the purple pen is important. You're like, cause it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I think adults are like not a, not a knock on how we approach these, but I'm like, they're almost too functional where I'm like the, you know, like in design specifically, you, you have either form over function. And yeah. I think the pink pen or the red pen is the form. And sometimes the form matters just as much as the function. And so, yeah, but I'm like, let's focus on that a little bit and celebrate that. But yeah, adults tend to not care about those things, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, and I just found I wasn't, like, just my personality and how my brain works just didn't match with that population as well. Like, I think definitely different personalities get drawn to different person or like populations. Yeah. I wonder if a- autistic adults, if they would love to work with another autistic SLP. Like... Where I would they find, love that. I'm like, because oh, I had a friend who was Even late my diagnosed. Assistant. My assistant's ADHD, and it's uh-huh. the best because neither of us, well, I can't speak for her, but <laughs> I don't feel like I have to, like, mask as much or, like, ex- like re-explain things. Like, we can both kind of, like, be talking all over the place, but we understand each other, and it's, like, so much easier to communicate with fellow neurodivergent people, in my experience. That's always how my pragmatic language goals are um, written, by the way. It's always like, instead of like making friends and stuff, I'm like, well, I'll be able to like, you know, uh, identify or work with or, you know, find other neurodivergent, mem- you know, community members to, oh, cool. to build relationships with. Because I'm like, yeah. I don't need you to force it with <laughs> neurotypical yeah. people because um, that's just awful. Um so no need to mask well, that. I would love that. And I had, I had, I hosted a, I had my first like SLP, like grad student last school year. And I would love to be able to like, Hey, can you put me on like the short list for like getting the neurodivergent students? Like, is that a thing? Yeah. Cause that it would be, be so cool. That would be super cool. It needs to happen. So, <laughs> well, and I think, it, what would be great about it is, you know, because we're working with these populations, we really, I mean, it's the same thing as that we've talked about on this podcast about people of color and queer people. It's like, this is a field that works, you know, basically from womb to tomb with all kinds of people. I love that. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I have not heard that, that Natalie. That was the best. <laughs> You're welcome. Womb to tomb. <laughs> Right? We work all ages, all abilities. Amazing. Uh, Give yourself a pat on the back for that one. That was Did great. You, like, that's wonderful. Right? And, but, it's, but we have a very homogenous field, and it's just, I think it would be great to encourage more neurodivergent people to get into the field because it would be great for a yeah. neurodivergent person to work with a person who's neurodivergent on navigating the world right yeah i mean it's you know as a neurolinear person i you know i can only do so much and understand so much um yeah even, even though i really try yeah yeah and it's helpful and there's like a i think that's like a just a, there's a huge 
problem as a whole just in our society of people not listening to other people's lived experiences and so i think that's just something as a field we need to work towards a lot a lot i'll just stop there well i mean you're right on like we have this need to have to like you you have to walk in their shoes and i'm like no we don't even need to do that yeah (laughs) you can talk or well you just got your diagnosis it's like right but i've been living this way my whole life right like why can't we just accept that that's what someone's lived experience is without having to actually understand it like yeah there's no need for the understanding part you just get you just can kind of just quietly yeah or i've had a yeah i've had a um what's it called a psychologist like that I worked with like in years past was telling me about ADHD and I was like well it's actually more like this and they're like well that's not your area and I'm like (sighs) it's like guess what yes it is (laughs) and I'm like okay but also like you're super not neurodivergent like you're not relating to this person seeing it from like a neurological perspective Mm -hmm. like you're seeing problem behaviors where I'm seeing a different neurotype and like they just literally need need different supports oh yeah I need to get like a I would love to talk with an autistic psychologist because I'm like cool psychology in general is very much tied to the, the scores and the tests and yeah. so, and we have more flexibility, or at least we push for that in our field. And I'll yeah. celebrate that because at the very end of the day, we at least like try to take those stances where I have not yet necessarily met somebody who works as a psychologist who, who, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping they're out there, which would be great, but yeah. you know, like to be like, I'm call not qualifying the yeah, call <laughs> us and be on our podcast because I would love to hear somebody who says, I'm not qualifying, even though they have this score. It's not actually a valid score because this person is has this neurotype yeah. um, and it's biased. You know, like I, yeah. I would love to see that stance, but I haven't seen it yet. And, yeah. But anyway, um, I get that. Um, which leads me to <laughs> our next question. <laughs> um we kind of talked about like what your hopes were in general, but like, yeah. is there anything specific that you'd like our field to move forward in? Um, and it could be neuro affirming. It could be LGBTQ affirming, but yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I would love to see greater pairing between OTs and SLPs because sensory needs are such a huge thing for ADHD and autism. And I wish that in the schools, more of the, like, cognitive stuff was in our wheelhouse. Because a lot of that gets passed off to, like, the psychologist. And sometimes I'm like, but that is a language processing thing. Like, that's my wheelhouse. Like, and a lot of the, like, attention differences and different things in, like, ADHD can lend to, like, real social communication issues. And so I would like to kind of see those things more integrated instead of like, well, you're not like trained as an OT. It's like, you're right. I'm not, but I use like, I use sensory strategies for myself every day. And if I see somebody with a similar need, I'm going to suggest it. Right. Like with, of course the caveat, like I'm not an OT, so I can't tell you, but I've noticed for (laughs) me that this really works. And I wonder if that would work for you too. Um, so I just would like to see more of a conversation happening, like between like how sensory, 
like things impact language and just processing in general. Um, I think there just needs to be a lot more like conversations and research and collaboration kind of around those things. Um, so yeah, I've definitely had conversations with OTs that just are like, no. And I'm like, okay, but I can tell that you don't experience this and I do. And the student also does. So like, and so I just think there needs to be a little, like a lot more conversation around that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Because I was just thinking about the, you kind of talked about a little bit how some of the cog stuff falls into our wheelhouse a little bit more. And I realized I'm like, there aren't like school psychologists in a inpatient rehab. Like yeah. the people, the people that are doing the R bands and, you know, doing these tests and doing cog are, um, OT and speech. So like, well, and we... most cognitive tests that school psychologists do are language based. I don't see them doing nonverbal. Which I don't understand. You know, nonverbal intelligence tests very often. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I'm like, so like, I thought phonological processing was our wheelhouse. Like, why is that the school psych? I don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why schools are set up that way. Because <laughs> they'd have to <laughs> hire more of us. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. They would need Stay to hire more of us. More of us. I'm like, oh, Get in okay. your corner. We can't have as many of you. We're so uh, awesome. Hire us. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of speaks to the breadth of our field and how yeah. we are expected to, you know, lo- know a, a lot. Um, yeah. And, and I don't so think people realize things. that. Yeah. And they're like, it's so much. And I'm like, it's not just that that word communication is like <laughs> not yeah. just what like it's yeah. not the service level, what you know about it. So, yeah. But yeah, I think you're spot on with that. That's awesome. Um, and I think. I actually don't know. We'll see what happens yeah. with the future of our field. Well, I, you know, I feel like just people, you know, people getting together and talking like this, we can generate a lot of change. Just yeah. bringing it up and talking about the issues um, with an yeah. open mind and an open heart. And that's, I guess, just to kind of like piggyback off of that. And like, that's kind of one of the reasons why I like came out at work, just so that like my students can see somebody else and... I'm, like, looking for, like, a really cool shirt that says, like, autism or autistic or, like, something on it so I can kind of, like, be more visibly out in that way, too. Um, Just because it is powerful for our students to, like, see somebody who has a brain that's maybe kind of like theirs and they can identify that and feel special. Like, I had a student last year run up to me, Mix Carly, Mix Carly, Mix Carly. Like, they're not even on my caseload. Um, Guess what? I was like, what? They're like, I'm gay and I was like that's amazing (laughs) I'm so happy for you (laughs) like and then for the rest of the I was like me too I'm also queer and they're like no way oh my god and then they gave me like a fist bump (laughs) queer fam and I was like (laughs) I was like oh my gosh this made my whole day (laughs) and like the next day they like drew me a picture of a rainbow I was like this is the best oh that's (laughs) wonderful um, I love that. I was just thinking, is it, is coming out non-binary? Yeah. Does it, f- like, did you also have to come out as autistic? Like, did that feel, does it feel like you have to do that? Does it, uh, is there similarities between that? That's a really good question. Um, 
Because, like, I also came out as, like, bisexual a few years ago. Um, but, like, right now, like, my partner identifies as a man. So, to everyone else, we look like a heterosexual couple. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's kind of, like, similar to ADHD. Like, I don't tell everybody. I'll more kind of talk about it. Like, oh, yeah, I have these sensory issues, too. Or, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, my brain kind of does that funny thing with attention, too. Like, I'll kind of more talk about what I like the experience and like the behaviors or like the quote unquote symptoms, I guess you could say. Yeah. So I think that's something I'm still kind of figuring out. I think that's something that's like in the workplace, right? Like do you disclose or not disclose? And it's like, well, the only reason that we're not disclosing is because there's a lot of shame and stigma around it. So if we Mm -hmm. felt safer to disclose, you know, yeah, I would tell everyone like, Oh, I'm autistic, but they don't know what that means. They just, that mm-hmm. to me, to them, that just means I have to do extra work to fit what they're doing. Right. Ugh. Like during my labor, I was like, each nurse that transitioned, I like, it was a long time, another story, another day. Um, <laughs> but like each nurse that changed over was like, oh, okay, yeah, like they're autistic and like, or they have ADHD and autism on their chart. Um, I'm correcting the pronouns for them, um, in this recollection. And, but like each new person that came in, like they didn't know what that meant at all. Like, it was just like, okay, cool. And so then when I'm like getting really anxious about the loud sounds and the lights, they're like, oh, like, oh, you're such like, wow, a delicate flower. I'm like, no, I'm autistic. Turn that noise down. Oh my gosh. So I think there's like a lot of. Because everything, right, deficit, like, people don't have an idea of, like, okay, well, if someone's ADHD or autistic, like, what does that mean if they disclose that to me? Right. Like, what should I be doing? Like, if somebody tells me I have a chronic illness, like, and I have, like, say they're, like, I meet a new friend, right? And they're, like, okay, I'm really nervous, but I want to tell you I have this chronic illness. I would, like, the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, okay, is there anything I need to know about that when we're hanging out? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, is there anything I need to be aware of? Any, like, protocol or, like, safety things that I need to be aware of? Because I'm all about making accommodations for people to be their whole self. So I kind of wish that everyone approached other humans that way, especially in the workplace. Did you have any nursing staff who asked you, like, how asked you that question? Like, what can I be doing? You know, I, I saw this in your chart. What can I be doing? Or was it all just... A, no um, yeah and, they, and it's funny too because they're like and she uses they them pronouns <laughs> like just <laughs> oh my gosh whoosh right over the head like, yeah it's like like i filled out i filled out like a questionnaire afterwards and they were like any feedback i was like definitely lots of training in these areas like <laughs> um yeah. but also i mean i think covid kind of wrecked the medical field I mean, just from my own personal experience of like being a patient, like it mm-hmm. seems like everyone's really short staffed and yeah, I was, out. I was hospitalized back in October and it, yeah, it's just b- complete burnout. Yeah. So yeah. I feel for those folks, but I'm also like, okay, collectively we all need to do something to like be here for people more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it just, you know, I think that in the medical field and, yeah, maybe maybe even in the SLP field, there's this sort of idea of you kind of have to know everything. And if you don't know everything, you're supposed to pretend that you know. Um, so asking or saying, I don't know how to deal with this situation is 
you feel ashamed that you don't know. And so you kind of pretend it's not there, which doesn't lead to any growth. Right. Also, we're all maxed out. Our workloads are super heavy. So to be like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, learn it on your own. But also don't burn yourselves out. It's kind of like, that's not really Mm -hmm. those, those things don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, cry in your car. You know, yep. we all know that <laughs> that one issue. Strategies, um, gotta have gr- strategies. <laughs> Crying yeah. is okay. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's one of those things, like you said, like not coming out. I mean, using I don't even know if it's called coming out as autistic, but it has yeah. the same connotation where it's like it's it's because we in the especially in the work world, professional setting. Like the question is, will will you still be as productive as you need to be, you know? And so there's mm-hmm. that fear of like looking, being it's looked like, at differently, evaluated differently. Yeah, which is crazy because it's like, I'm going to work the same. Like, I don't know <laughs> if anything, I'm just going to use my noise canceling headphones more and be bothered by the super loud air conditioning units in schools less. Right. And, but nobody wants to look at that. And that's... um that's where the education needs to be is like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Yeah. Should I ask the last question? Go ahead and ask our last question. Cause I'm looking at our time and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, looking Whoa, at the, we yeah, are chatting Kathy. We've been talking a long time. <laughs> anyway. So we're recording this in June and which is pride month. So happy pride month. <laughs> Yay. Um, so <laughs> go us. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with that, what does it mean to you to be a proud professional? Well, well, I guess I touched on this a little bit, but kind of just being out for me, I'm like, you know, I have the privilege to be out. And so where I, where I can and where I feel safe to do so, I try to be out and proud just, yeah. So other people can, can kind of follow in the footsteps if they need that, if they need somebody to go first and You know, for me, it also means using diverse materials with my students. Like, wow, Mm -hmm. he is wearing a dress. He loves blue. And like when somebody says, why still wear dresses? I go, oh, that's funny because people can wear whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And so like just kind of imbuing that stuff within the practice, I think, is a big part of it for me. That's awesome. Well, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I I can speak for myself, but um, it is it has been <laughs> delightful. You can say it. <laughs> yeah, we all love this. I'm hoping everybody also gets something from this. I know, yes. you know, SLPs love hearing. You know, we we talk about wanting to hear from the communities that we serve, and yeah. and Carly, you are a so festive <laughs> because you represent so much, and so I think it was so great to hear that you were able you're. Your intersectionality is such a strength. Yeah, um, thank you. you know? I, that's refreshing to hear. Thank you, Hector. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say it because I'm like, this is a celebration. Like, um, and I hope that others can can find that as well because I love this conversation. And yeah. I hope- and again, I'm just one person. I don't speak for everybody. You know, we're all different. I'll have different experiences, but this has been mine. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, With all of its sparkle and glitter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, stay tuned for next time. And uh, thanks for being on the Queer SLP. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. 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 Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Queer SLP. Want to be featured on our Instagram page or be on the show? Check us out at thequeerslp.com for more information. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Queer SLP. If you enjoyed listening, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. Bye. Bye.